Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Today, um, we're returning to our Dangerous Prayer series. Last week, we had an intermission for a wonderful family celebration service with baptisms and, like I say, everything that just made last week so special. But this week, we're back to Dangerous Prayers. Now, we need to let you know that next week, we're going to have another intermission in our Dangerous Prayers series. Uh, Next week, I won't be sharing with you. Uh, This week, Pastor Matt and Tracy and Yvonne and I are off to Whistler, British Columbia for our, na- our yearly national pastors convention. And so Foursquare pastors and leaders from all across Canada are gathering in Whistler, BC. Um, Pastor Matt and Tracy actually left yesterday, um, and Yvonne and I are leaving this afternoon to go there. So if you could be in prayer for us while we're away. Um, but next Sunday, I'm really excited to have part of our Hillside family, Bright. Um, he's going to share with us. And he shared, me, shared with me what's on his heart. And it's going to be a wonderful, challenging message to shape how we see the world around us. Um, even in his short summary, as, as he shared with me, oh, this is what's on my heart. I thought, oh, that's really convicting in just like the little two-sentence pitch that, that he gave me. And it's not heavy and it's not judgmental. It's encouraging on how we see the world. But it helped me to even stop the way that maybe I saw some way some things were going on in the world and go, oh, that even that little two-sentence thing, it gave me a lot of hope. Not that I'm trying to set him up to to, you know, have this, um, you know, it's going to come and be life-changing for all of us, but it's a really great word for us next, next week. But that's next week. This week, you're stuck with what I have to share with you today. And so we're going to be going back to look at these moments in Scripture where, where someone prays something, or, or someone speaks something to God, or, or someone cries out to God, or, or someone makes a statement that if we were to take what they said in Scripture and apply it to our own hearts, allow it to be the cry of our hearts, allow it to, to shape what we think or allow it to be what we would want our hearts to say, it would become a little dangerous. Now, not dangerous because it's bad. We're, we're not looking at prayers of poor theology. We're not looking at prayers of blasphemy. We're not looking at dangerous prayers in the sense that they're bad. Dangerous prayers in the sense that they're good. But if we really mean them, we're opening up ourselves to the work of the Lord in our lives in ways that might make us a little uncomfortable. In ways that might make us a little uneasy. In ways that, that maybe we even try and shield ourselves from, from God working in our life. That, that we might say to God, God, I, 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 am, I am your servant. I am here for you, God. Whatever you want from me, except for that. God, you can have my life except for that. And as we pray these prayers, as, as we pray, God, your will be done. 
as we pray, God, here I am, send me, it opens us up to having to trust and believe in God in ways that maybe push us out of where we're comfortable. And this week, we're going to look at the desperate words of a father trying to get his son some help. The story that, that leads us to this story begins in verse four. The, the story that we're going to look at begins in verse 14 of Mark chapter 9. But to set some context for it, the first little bit of Mark chapter 9 is what, what we would call the transfiguration. It's this moment where, where Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, they're returning from a, a nearby mountain, and there the three disciples had seen what we would call the transfiguration of Jesus. And it was a visual glimpse of his divine nature. That they see this moment where, where the divinity of Jesus is revealed for their eyes to see. And it's this incredible moment. And, and our story begins as they're coming down off the mountain from this incredible moment. And they walk into a scene. That there's something taking place as they come down off of this, this, this incredible, beautiful moment of, of the transfiguration, they come down and there's a fracas going on. There's, there's people and there's arguing and people are upset and, and there's, there's a whole thing. The, the disciples are there. They're surrounded by a crowd and they're arguing with some of the teachers of the law and people are, are upset and, and there's this whole thing that after this moment of beauty... They return to real life. And even that can be a picture and, and something for us to hold on to in our lives. That sometimes we have these really incredible moments with God. Where the Holy Spirit really comes and works in our lives and, 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 and does something and reveals something to us. But then we got to go back to real life. That, that those moments don't always last forever. That we have this incredible close moment with God. And then the kids are fighting. And then work is calling. And then my back starts acting up. And you go back to life. And this is what Jesus and the disciples are having. They have this incredible moment where, where the... the picture of Jesus as God is revealed. And they come down to a fight. See, what had happened is that this man had brought his son who had, was possessed by an evil spirit and, and the boy had been tormented by years from it. The disciples were trying to heal the boy and they were unable to. And now it's become this heated discussion among the disciples and the, the teachers of the law, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. There's this, this, this fight about who can heal and why and how and what's wrong with the boy and is it sin and all this huge discussion because the boy can't be healed and they're trying to understand why. And so we come to verse 14. And we'll say this, when they came to the other disciples, so when Jesus and Peter and James and John come to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. 
As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. So this crowd is in a tizzy. And Jesus comes, and they all go, oh, let's all go ask Jesus. Let's go. He will know what to do. He will have the answers. Let's go ask Jesus. And so, Jesus, what, 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 what is happening? And the man comes to speak to Jesus. Verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and, he, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus answers, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So in verse 20, it says, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. When asked more about his son's condition, the, the father does his best to answer, to say, this is what this looks like. And then he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I want to highlight one word for you here. One word that speaks so much about this man, his situation, his heart, his frustration, his fear, his worry, all of the things. The word if. The Father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. This man is at a loss for what's going on. He's trying to get someone to help his son. That's why the disciples are there. That's why the religious leader, someone help my boy. And nobody's able to do anything. And so Jesus comes and, and the man says to Jesus, well, if you could do something, if, if you could help us, please, could you? And he comes to Jesus, unsure of, of what even Jesus can do. Everybody's tried and nobody's been able to do anything. And with that one sentence, we see this mix of discouragement and fear and worry, but also a weak kind of hope. M maybe, maybe you could do something. And Jesus, and, and he sees Jesus, and if you can help me. But then Jesus offers this long-suffering dad hope better than if. When he says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus answers the man, everything is possible. There is no if. 
When we come to Jesus, there is no, well, I don't know if this is too much for Jesus. When we come to Jesus, there is no, well, this might be beyond his pay grade. When we come to Jesus, there, there is no, if everything is possible for those who believe. And then we come to our dangerous prayer for us today. As the father immediately responds, it says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. What the man says here sounds like it doesn't make any sense. It, it's self-contradictory. I believe and I don't believe at the same time. He claims to believe but also confesses unbelief. It can take a while to unpack and understand what it is that the heart is trying to express here. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I know I'm supposed to believe. And of course, I do believe that you could. But right now, I'm struggling to understand. I, I, know, I, I know I'm supposed to believe. But right now, it's really hard to see it. I get it. I just don't get it. The father's acknowledgement of his own weak faith and desperate plea for help is an important lesson for us today. For, for many of us, we can struggle with our belief and our trust. And we can gain so much from this lesson by turning to the Lord with, with prayers, asking God to help us in our faith, in our moments of struggle. See, one of the things that can, can happen in our lives that can actually cause us real problems is when we know what probably the right answer to the question is, even before it's asked. But the right answer doesn't mean that it lines up with our lives, with our experience, with our hearts. The father knew that the right thing, the right answer for him was to believe. He, he knew that he was supposed to believe. That in that moment, the right answer is, well, I know, I believe. Jesus, I believe you can do anything. That's the right answer to the question. But in this moment, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. It's hard for me to, I know, I know objectively you can, but in my life, in this moment, can you? The Father knew the right answer. We all, we can all too often in our faith learn what the right answers are. The right things to say. The, the right expressions, the, the right things that we're supposed to say to each other, the, the things that we're supposed to say that we're feeling. It's like how we all ask others, strangers, people that we just pass by, hey, how are you? 
that I do that at the dog park. Is we'll be taking our dog for a walk and we'll be walking this way and somebody will be walking this way. And as they pass by, they'll be like, hey, how are you? Or I'll say, hey, how are you? But we don't even break our stride. We just keep right on walking. Because if someone says to you that you don't know, that you, you, that you don't actually want, you say, hey, how are you? There's a correct answer to that question. Good, how are you? And we just keep going. Good. The, the, you know, we do that with the, the cashier at the supermarket. We do that with the person taking our order at the drive-thru. We do that with, with all kinds of people. and We do that with people at church. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. But imagine for a moment, if in one of these situations, hey, how are you? Thank you for asking. Can we just sit down and talk? I've been, we would be so, I didn't mean it. No, I don't have time for, no, 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 no. You say good, how are you? I say I'm good, and then we continue on. I don't actually want to know how you are. It's just a greeting. There's an old adage that whenever you're in Sunday school and somebody asks a question, the right answer is Jesus. If you don't know what you, Jesus. Because it's probably the right answer. But that same heart can extend to us at times when we become adults. That we're not allowed, or at least we're, we don't feel like we're allowed to emit certain things about ourselves, especially when it comes to our faith. That we need to be good. That, that we need to be blessed. That, that we need to be happy and healthy. Because that's what we think we're supposed to say. That, that somehow that, that's the right answer to the question. How to ask another, how are you? I, I'm good. Because that's what we're supposed to say. And yet in this moment, with this man, we see him acknowledge both sides of the coin of faith. Yes. He believed that Jesus could do something. He knew this was the right answer. He believed that it was possible that Jesus could do something. Just like the disciples maybe could have done something. That's why he brought the boy to the disciples. Maybe they could do something. Or the religious leaders, maybe they could have done something. Yes, I believe, Jesus, that maybe in the grand scheme of things, you can do something. But yet, in his heart, he knew that despite the, the objective truth of the answer, that Jesus could do something, there was more going on in his heart and in his life. And while he knew he was supposed to believe, he needed help with his lack of faith. He knew that Jesus could. But could he really? Would he really and this is our, our dangerous prayer for us today. This prayer isn't like the first two that we've looked at about giving our lives over to God and allowing God to use us however he would choose. But this is an invitation in a different way. This is an invitation to a dangerous level of honesty with God. To have a hard 
conversation with the Lord. To maybe express some things that maybe you've never felt like you were allowed to say to God. To uncover the parts of our hearts, the parts of our emotions, the parts of our lives that, that maybe we've even felt like we need to keep hidden from Him. Because I'm a good Christian. And good Christians don't think that. Good Christians don't feel like that. I, I want to be a good Christian, and so I, I'm not going to allow that to be known by God. I'm, I'm going to keep a lid on that one. God, I know I'm supposed to believe, but would you help my unbelief? God, I know that I'm loved by you, but yet I feel so distant from you. Jesus, I know you are my provider, but I'm so worried about the future. Jesus, I know you care about me, but it's so hard to see your hand, see you in my life. Jesus, I know you have plans for me, but right now, my life just feels meaningless. God, I know I'm supposed to trust you. But right now, it really feels like you let me down. God, I know you can set me free. But I feel so trapped in sin and addiction. God, I know you can heal me. But I'm still so broken. God, I get it. I just don't get it. When things in our life become tough, it can be tempting to just stop praying altogether. God feels distant. Or we worry that God has abandoned us. Or maybe we figure at any rate, God is maybe sick and tired of the same prayer. I've prayed for this so many times. God must be tired of hearing it. Or we feel like we can never admit this to God. Because it's not what we're supposed to say. It's not the right answer. We are simply supposed to say, God, I believe you can. Even when our hearts might not be there. Jesus spoke about this when he quoted Isaiah. He said this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That we know we can say the right things. We, we know what to say as, as we follow Jesus. We learn the right answer to the question, but the right answer isn't always reflective of who and what we are at a time. Jesus doesn't want our right answers. Jesus doesn't want us to just say what we're supposed to say. He wants us to come to him in our unbelief instead of pretending our hearts are where they should be. He wants us to bring us our hearts of unbelief, our hearts of doubt, our hearts that are worried, our hearts that are fearful, our hearts that are broken, our hearts that need healing. And not be afraid that somehow God's going to be repulsed or put off by that. That somehow not be afraid that if I come to God in honesty, that God's going to go, whoa, 
That's too much, son. Don't forget who you're talking to here. But we need to come to God with all of our honesty. Because there's a promise that God makes about us coming to God in our honesty. In Psalm 147, it will say this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. But friends, if we won't ever admit that our heart's broken, we'll just, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't need healing. I'm good. Everything's good. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I got this. Our heart is broken. And we're saying no thanks to God's healing because we're afraid that God might be upset that our heart is broken. But when it says that he heals the brokenhearted, he wants our broken heart because he wants to heal us. If we won't ever admit that we're afraid, if we won't ever admit that we're frustrated, angry, or lost, then how is God going to heal something we won't admit is broken? The father needed to bring his son to Jesus. So that Jesus could set his son free. Jesus was the one who had the answer to the question of how to heal his son. And if you want to read the resolution of the story is that Jesus drives out the demon and the boy is saved. Demonstrating once more the power of God in the face of all things. But this isn't just a story about the healing of a demon-possessed boy. It's a story about the father and his honesty. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I get it. I just don't get it. See, he had to bring his son to Jesus for resolution, but he had to open himself up to God as well for resolution. See, he wasn't going to find the resolution in his life just sitting and stewing and not admitting to anything. No amount of self-reflection or self-work or self-care was going to uh, deal with the unbelief in his life on his own, trying to work through it, trying to figure it out. And if you remember, back to where we started, we even see that there's a crowd of people trying to help him. The disciples, the religious leaders, all trying to help him, even living his struggle out in community, wasn't going to be enough to deal with everything that was going on in his life. But it was only able... It was only when he was able to be dangerously honest and come to Jesus in his struggle, demonstrating once more that the love of God in the face of our human frailty and in love and grace, Jesus meets him. And so today, the dangerous prayer that I believe God is inviting us to pray is to come to God with all honesty. To willfully and honestly uncover the parts of our hearts that we have done our best to hide from God.
To say the things that maybe we've, we've been afraid to say. To say the things that maybe we've been always scared to say. To pray a prayer of honesty that will open the door to Jesus coming and healing us and working in our lives and helping us to get it. That that man left with his unbelief helped. There was no more question in his mind about whether or not Jesus could. There was no more if. Because he opened himself up and invited Jesus to come and work. And he left with no more question about if Jesus could help. He left with a testimony of, look at what Jesus did in my life. And friends, that's what Jesus wants to do in each one of our lives. To take away our ifs and replace it with a testimony of what God has done. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we know that there are areas in our lives that maybe we haven't always been able to be fully open with. And God, in our heart of hearts, we know that you know that there are those areas. We don't trick you. We can't fool you. You know our hearts better than we know our hearts. You know our souls better than we know our souls. But God, there are places, there are times, there are moments in our lives where we, for one reason or another, can just be unwilling to come to you. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're ashamed. Maybe we're worried. But God, I want to pray for each one of us today that as we can struggle with these moments in our lives, struggle from these places in our lives of, of God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I get it. But I just don't get it. God, would you help us? First, God, I, I want to pray that in each one of these areas, God, just as, as this, this son saw breakthrough, or this, this father saw breakthrough in the life of his son. God, may we see breakthrough in our own lives. God, these areas in our lives, God, that we've been so worried, that the, the stress, the fear, God, the anxiety, the, the embarrassment, whatever it may be, God, these things that we've been holding on to that we just don't understand. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for breakthrough. God, release us from the snares and the traps that the enemy has gained in our lives. God, would you help us to be able to not have to live in, in the shadow of disbelief, of doubt, of worry, of fear. God, your word will tell us that you have not given us a spirit of fear. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be able to step out. We, we read earlier, we sang earlier about how you are light and light and darkness can't coexist. And so may the light of Jesus shine in our lives today. And God, I pray that we would see the same kind of breakthrough in our lives that this man saw in the life of his son. And God, I pray that you would allow us 
to be able to be open and honest with you. God, would you remove any wrong thought pattern, any wrong teaching, God, any wrong ideas in our own mind that would somehow say what God wants to hear from you is this. But replace that with the knowledge that you just want us to be open and honest. That we would come to you in our weakest moments and in our best moments. That we would rejoice and that we would mourn. That we would be able to be afraid and we would be able to be victorious in the presence of our Father. God, a verse that we've come back to over and over again this year is that we are able to enter boldly into the throne room of our Father. Throne room of heaven, we're able to enter boldly into it. And God, the promise is that as we enter in boldly, we will find mercy in our time of need. God, may we run to you in our time of need. May we not feel like we can't come to you because we're in need, but may we run to you in our time of need. Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful that you want to work in our lives. You want to help us see our lives, our situations differently. You want us to work out our lives with you, not so that we can come to you. And so, God, we invite you to come and work in our lives. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Sometimes we feel so lost, we think we'll never be found. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu, or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Running like a prodigal My mama praying every night that God would save my soul Even in the dark he never ever let me go I hit the wall face to face with the Holy Ghost Where would I be without God's good mercy? So let me tell you my testimony Someone praying for you every day Now that's amazing grace And we're singing like oh Don't give up, don't give up on the ones that you love We're singing like oh So don't